This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Have Deborah Lyon take, she is the best person not only to succeed me, but the best person to be in this role, to be in this position of leadership, the right person in the right place at the right time. That was Professor Erwin Kotler, Canada's first special envoy on promoting Holocaust remembrance and combating anti-Semitism, at the event in Ottawa October 16th, introducing Deborah Lyons as his hand-picked replacement. Lyons had spent the past two years representing the United Nations Secretary General to Afghanistan, including during and after the Taliban takeover. Before that, her 30-plus year career as a Canadian diplomat included serving as Canada's ambassador to Israel. The week before she was named to the new job, Hamas attacked and killed 1,200 Israelis. Israel declared war on Hamas in Gaza, and waves of violent anti-Semitism burst out in protest rallies on the streets of Canadian cities, on university campuses, online and around the world. And while some may have been hoping for a familiar lion like Erwin Kotler to be barnstorming the media, Lyons took a different approach. She stayed out of the limelight. And then, when she did start giving interviews, like to CTV and CBC Radio, she did these together, jointly, with Canada's special representative to combat Islamophobia, Amira El-Gawabi. I hope that faith leaders, education leaders, municipal leaders, political leaders follow our lead and try to bring us together so that we make our way out of this period for however long it may last with um, minimum damage done to our Canadian fabric and maybe even a stronger sense of the work we have to do together to build a stronger society. I'm Ellen Basner and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 21st, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Deborah Lyons has some key challenges to overcome when taking over from award-winning human rights advocate Erwin Kotler. Not only is she not Jewish, she's also not a Holocaust educator, but she does bring wide experience working as a diplomat in the Middle East and has a deep understanding of how Ottawa works, plus how the UN works, and how Israel works. But despite the government giving the special envoy position a million-dollar budget per year, Lyons quickly learned that, like her predecessor, it's a one-person band with an office staff of just one. The staffing problem needs to change, she says, and she's working on it, because she says right now, we're in a moment of crisis. Special Envoy Deborah Lyons joined me from the lobby of her hotel in Winnipeg, where she had just met with local Jewish leaders and Manitoba's new provincial premier, Wab Kanu. Deborah Lyons, welcome to the CJN Daily. It's an honor to meet you. Thank you so much, Ellen, and I'm really glad to be here finally with you. But who's counting? We were. <laughs> we <laughs> were actually counting. Um, but since you brought it up, your strategy since being appointed was to not do media interviews, but instead to reach out and do a, basically a listening tour of the Jewish community in Canada. What made you decide that that was the appropriate startup for your tenure? Well, of course, I started uh, the week following October 7th. And for me, 
the most important goal in front of me was to be with the community, was to hear from people as to how they're feeling, uh, the pain, the suffering that people were experiencing, and their fear and anxiety. And I really needed to, I felt, get very close to that, uh, not just, you know, through like the technology, but actually face-to-face -face in meetings with people. And I can tell you there were a fair number of meetings where we were <clears throat> crying together. Um, and to then uh, take the input from the community to make sure that the direction that our office was going to be taking uh, fit for this critical crisis that we're in right now. Uh, and I wanted to do that first before I got out and did a lot of media, either with you or any media and even social media. I didn't start up until two weeks into the job. Could you remember one or two of the most poignant meetings that that still stay stays with you now? Well, certainly the most poignant, of course, would have been the meeting with the families of the hostages and the prime minister and some of our Canadian colleagues. When I began to respond, of course, I started crying. and But I continued talking and I talked through my tears. And uh, I think in a sense that the families appreciated it because I think People want to know that their pain is felt and even understood by others. I think also just going across Canada, Ellen, and talking to parents and hearing from them how concerned they are about the safety and security of their kids, whether those kids are in university or the kids are going off to high school or the kids are going off to Jewish day school. I think hearing from parents across Canada that they don't feel that they're children are safe in this magnificent country of ours, I find that incredibly disturbing, incredibly upsetting. And this is not the kind of Canada that we've been building all these many decades. Uh, and we've got to make sure that we take stock of where we are right now and do what needs to be done to get us, well, I would don't even know if I'd say get us back. I would say move us forward to a better place. Look, you know, you said that this is the Canada that we want to be. Two years ago, uh, your predecessor, Professor Kotler, chaired an urgent national task force on anti-Semitism July of 2021. Of course, we've covered it. And even then, he said that it was a toxic uh, canary in the coal mine and all the usual things that he likes to talk about when he talks <laughs> about anti-Semitism. And now here we are two years later, and it's the red line is even higher the worst people have seen since the Holocaust is what people are calling it. Why is it like this now? I, I don't know if I have the full analysis on that, but I would say that I think we did make progress in putting in place the funding and the support for the office. I think there've been move, there's been movement on a number of other fronts. Provincial government's moving as well. We saw the Minister of Education in the province uh, move to mandatory education on, on Holocaust. On Holocaust education, Alberta and, as well, BC uh, as well. And BC. And I think we're going to see it in other provinces from my experience as I travel across the country. I think I want to talk for a minute about what happened, what was happening outside. I don't know why we have continued to see, and, and we're looking at it, of course, why we can continued to see an increase in anti-Semitism in Canada, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, before October 7th, we were seeing a consistent increase. I think it might have something to do with the intensity of the environment right now for everything, the cost of living, uh, the, the, the frustration coming out of COVID, whatever it might be. Often, sadly, we see during a time of strain in a society that hate speech does 
does rise, that this kind of frustration in society reflects itself, manifests itself in many ways. And unfortunately, one of the ways is in a rise in anti-Semitism. And believe you me, that's part of what we're going to be studying and examining, and we're going to be combating as we move forward and slowly, I not slowly, but steadily make our way out of the crisis we're in right now. One of the things I've read that you want to do is collect data to see what really is happening, and mainly on campuses, but also Canada. How different is that data going to be than what B'nai B'rith does already, or, for example, the police forces that report, and we get it every year from Statistics Canada? I, I think B'nai B'rith has done a great job in, in focusing on this, and they're, and they're an, an organization that everybody depends on to do this. I don't think that it's, it's comprehensive enough or complete enough, and I think that they would admit it as well. The police force will tell you the same thing. I mean, it, in some cases, it's hard to get people to report the incident because they don't think that anything is going to be done with the data. I think it's important that we get a much more accurate reflection, and particularly, particularly in this moment. Now, you mentioned universities. Let me just quickly right. say that in this, in the conversations I've had with the Hillel students, and I have conversations with every, every city that I go to, they themselves are saying that they are trying to encourage their colleagues to make sure that they're reporting the incidents on campus. I was with the university president last night. He said the same thing. That is an intensive effort underway right now to try to ensure that people can feel that when they report an incident, that it is going to be taken seriously and that there's going to be follow-up. And what I'm saying as I meet with different groups is if you have reported an incident and you are not happy with the follow-up, you go back and you ask for further recourse and you go back. And if you're not having success then you let us know and let your federation know, let your Jewish leadership in your community know, and you let us know. I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm dealing with an incident in one of our cities in Canada where a city councillor has been very outspoken in their position on Israel without question. It's anti-Semitic messaging that she is doing. We are working with the community uh, in that city to make sure that they're taking this issue to the councils and that they are getting follow-up. We have a case in another city of a synagogue that has been threatened. They've been taking their issue to the police. We've been working with them to make sure that the police are giving them the appropriate response in a timely manner. If it's not happening, then we're engaging again with the police to make sure that there is the communication that's needed and that the person who threatened is actually being monitored. And I'm assuming that's Moncton, but... All right, let's move on from there and go back to what you said earlier about the things that need to be done to fix the, the crisis at the moment. One of the, I guess, your goals uh, that you stated when you took the job is that you would like to see a lot more education on anti-Semitism. Canadian sort of responses to hate in terms of the Jewish community has for generations been Holocaust education. It's not the same thing. You didn't say Holocaust education, you said anti-Semitism. So I would like you to unpack that for me. I think that we have to do both. I think we have to do much more on ensuring that we have a good solid curriculum on Holocaust education. However, it's not enough. We have to ensure as well that the 
curriculum includes a better understanding for the students of contemporary anti-Semitism, of what's happening now, how this, as my good friend Mikhail Kotler says, how this virus mutates and moves forward into its ver- its different manifestations. So I think we also, and I'm hearing resounding agreement on this from policing. I'm hearing it from university presidents who are saying maybe one of the things that we have failed at is we really have not had the education in place that we should have on anti-Semitism. You appeared on CTV uh, the other day with the your counterpart, who was a special envoy to come about Islamophobia. To representative, so, not, not special envoys, representative. Special representative. Man- you appeared together. Why did you want to do that? Well, I think that early on, directly following October 7th, it was hard for people to see Amir, my colleague and I together. I think that there was a lot of pain in our community and a lot of pain uh, developing in her community. Um, So I respected that. And I do though, um, I, I am very much of the view that what we need is very committed and strong and vocal leadership on a very present leadership on the crisis that we're facing. It's not easy because people still have big, big differences in how they see events unfolding in the in the Middle East, uh, how they see the responses here in Canada. And so we have to find a way of accepting that we're going to have some of these different points of view, even some of them very strongly held. Um, And we have to say, fine, but we are Canadians. This is Canada. We have to come together to demonstrate a much more cohesive leadership to our to our communities and to Canadians. It's not easy to do. I certainly, Amir and I, I will tell you that I met with her before I even accepted this job because it was very important to me that she be someone who I knew I could work with and who I felt a huge amount of respect for. And I must say that uh, we hit it off incredibly well. Uh, And I had visions of she and I traveling across the country, meeting with ministers of education, ministers of public safety, talking about how we project and move forward to create a much more inclusive and and uh, compassionate Canada. Uh, since October 7th, it hasn't been as easy to do it, but we are, we've begun it uh, in the last, as you said, the last week, and we're going to continue to do more of that. It's not I think, easy. I think that you, you touched it on the head that it's not easy. And I know I've heard from a lot of readers and listeners that this is whole whataboutism is giving them more pain. In other words, it's not enough to be the victim of anti-Semitism without also having to recognize other people's oppression at the same time, like Jews can't have agency over their own oppression. So then when you come and appear with a person and the prime minister says, we have to also talk about Islamophobia, a lot of Jewish community members are like, this is exactly anti-Semitism all over again. And it's a controversial move that you pulled. So I wonder what pushback you have received about doing it. Oh, do you know what? I've heard more positive response than negative response to the fact that we did that. That's one point. Secondly, I would say that I I understand that sentiment that why can't we just talk about 
the anti-Semitism activity that is taking place right across this country without having to say, oh, and then there is, you know? So you would have heard me in the interview, that particular CTV interview, where uh, when my colleague was talking about, you know, Islamophobia and the concerns and what's happening there and that, you know, freedom of expression and the importance of people being able to get out and, you know, have have these peaceful gatherings and so forth. And then I, I followed her comment by saying, however, there, these are not peaceful gatherings in all cases. What we have here is very aggressive uh, um, uh, rhetoric and in some cases, real violence. And that's what's happening to the Jewish communities across Canada. And I think that we have to make sure that we're speaking about that, that we're highlighting it, that we're very vocal about it and asking for res- you know, a response to it and remedies. Um, and that we're doing so in such a way that um, it stands alone. It stands on its own merits. Whether you're talking about the incidents in Calgary, whether you're talking about the, the the incident here in Winnipeg, whether you're talking about Toronto and some of the examples there, Montreal, Moncton, we could go on, and our university campuses. So it is it is the very much a situation where the Jewish community is feeling um, <clears throat> under siege. We can of course, be continuing to say, as I think the Jewish community has been, that we support, uh, you know, peaceful gatherings and that we support lots of debate and open discussion on many of the issues facing the Middle East. However, I want to emphasize, it is not the Jewish community that is leading these attacks out across the country. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who's leading them, but I have to say that we are having discussions with um, government levels and police about these, where they turn ugly, where they turn uh, nasty, where where people are having a peaceful uh, protest, that's fine. But uh, we're seeing way too much activity that is concerning, and it's often directed to get against Jewish Canadians or Jewish Canadian support of Israel. Right. Going back to your own personal journey and to this position, I know because Professor Kotler told me you were his number one you know, choice way, way back. It took a lot of convincing. What were the, the the roadblocks or the challenges for you personally until you could accept this in October of this year? Well, okay, Ellen, you don't say no to Erwin Kotler, no matter how many times a person might try. He's a very convincing individual, as you well know. But also, I, I would I would just simply say, I'm a lot older than you are. I had worked for the federal government for some 37 years. I had worked for the UN for three years. I thought maybe I should just stop and grow some tomato plants or something um, and spend more time with my grandchildren. But frankly, uh, what became clear to me, I um, saw... When I was in Afghanistan in my last tour, and even actually when I was in Israel, I looked across the pond at North America and I thought, what is happening to North America? What's happening to our country of Canada? What is happening to all the great work we have done over the years on a, on a more compassionate society, on human rights, on you know, an equal opportunity? What is happening? We're, we're slipping backwards. And the thing that most disturbed me was the malignancy of hate speech. And I said, when I go back home, if I 
if I do go back to work, I want to focus on that because I have lived in countries where I've seen the democracy fall backwards and Canada is not immune to that. And I worry very much that the divisiveness that's taking place in Canada, nowhere near as severe as we're seeing in some other countries, obviously, but still concerning. Uh, I felt that I just, I, I want to spend time with my grandchildren, but I also want to know that my grandchildren are going to have a good, safe world to grow into. And frankly, I feel like as hard as it is, none, none of us expected October 7th. These days are very long. They're very wearisome. But I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't have wanted to have been anywhere else. You know, I really wouldn't. I would have hated myself if I had missed this moment to contribute to the community at a time of crisis like this and to have, frankly, contributed to Canada. Because how we come out of this is going to define whether or not we will have a compassionate and inclusive society going forward. Thank you very much. I'm sure we'll be in touch again in person. Uh, happy to do that. And Ellen, you know, one of the things we, we have to try to figure out how to start communicating is results. What results are we getting from our work? Uh, I'm, I'm enormously concerned about making sure that I've got the resources I need to get the job done. But I think really part of the role of this office is going to be as a catalyst to get a lot of other people getting the work done that needs to be done, like the ministers of education, like working with the police forces across Canada on training, like working with the university presidents. But uh, as I say, how many staff going... do you have? I know that when the office was open before, it was Irwin and one person. Right now it's Deborah and one person, uh, but we have another three people that we're in the process of hiring now. Um, nobody anticipated this crisis at this time. And uh, so I think the government is going to be helping us to ramp up a little bit more. You're going to get more money? I think that there is a consideration given the crisis that we're in. I mean, this is truly a period of crisis communications to make, to make our Jewish community feel more supported, to make them feel safe, to work with all of the entities that we have to work with. I mean, there's so much work to be done in each one of these areas, but it's not work that needs to be done over the next two to three years. It's work that has to be done right now. Why not do with the prime minister a national televised address or an online address that like he's been doing bits and beats and you've been doing bits and bites. But so why not think about a nationally like a national broadcast? Well, that's a great idea. Let me take it back and, and, and see what we can do there. I am going to start doing some more uh, video clips rather than just do the statements uh, on, on social media. But again, even that is limited. I will tell you, though, and you're ha I'm happy to have you use this this part of the interview if you want. When we're out across Canada meeting with the Hillel students, it was really clear to me that this is a special group of Canadians that we have to be closely connected to. So we are actually setting up a direct conduit directly into my office so that we're hearing from them about what they're doing, uh, what they're experiencing, and what recourse they need, if any, and whether or not it's actually being achieved. So we're going to be in touch with the university, the, the Jewish kids across the university campuses on a regular basis. That's something I just absolutely have to do, whether I have lots of resources or not. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. We'd love your comments about today's interview. If you've got feedback or questions, write to us at ebessner at thecjn.ca. And by the way, the role of Special Envoy for Anti-Semitism was created three years ago in 2020. Erwin Kotler worked tirelessly ever since, both at home and abroad, 
At home, he made sure fighting anti-Semitism was included in the Canadian government's overall anti-racism strategy. So, for example, managers and staff at all levels of government, including in the police forces and the RCMP and the military, better understand anti-Semitism so they can act on it when it happens. The Special Envoy's office was also involved with encouraging the Trudeau government to commit millions to help build new Jewish community centers and Holocaust museums. The Special Envoy also represents Canada abroad at international organizations, including the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.